Welcome everyone to a new episode of OK Now What? Uh, I am filling in for Greg Arias today as the host of this week's episode. Uh, I have with me Jason Call and Robin, uh, I'm sorry Robin, I, I can never pronounce your last name, Rahil? Ray Hill. Ray Hill, that's correct. Okay, fantastic. Um, so yeah, so basically, if everyone can understand what I'm saying, um, I mean, if you don't at this point, then we're in trouble really, aren't we? Um, but this week, uh, we'll start off with something that's quite positive, actually. Uh, Marion Williamson's Endorsey Candidate Summit, uh, and we have one of the candidates that's been endorsed with us on this podcast jason cole um if you'd like to uh tell yeah. us a little bit about what's going on so uh marianne williamson has has come out in support of a number of actually progressive candidates and i have to say actually progressive because progressive by itself doesn't mean a whole lot uh these days uh in fact the person that i am running against a 20-year corporate democrat war hawk uh you know fossil fuel guzzler lover uh is he's coming out uh uh trying to brand himself as progressive so the word progressive sometimes has to be qualified these days uh so we are actually progressive candidates um so Marianne has has endorsed uh 16 candidates right now and i'll just run down a few names um a uh, Shervin Azami, uh, who is running in California's 30th down in San Fernando Valley uh, near uh, maybe a girl who has been on this show for mm -hmm. California 20, 28th. Uh, and uh, she was on Greg's show a couple of times last, last year. Um, Angelica Duaneus, uh, who's running in California's 29th, I believe. Uh, and... Um, she ran last year against uh, Tony T Cardenas and and got 43% of the vote in the general, uh, raising only about $80,000. So there's definitely yeah. um, a, a good look for progressive candidates down there. Um, Jessica Mason in Texas, and Alexandra Hunt, who was on this show, Christina Levo yeah. from Florida's 24th. Uh, Lee Carter, who is running for uh, mm -hmm. governor in Virginia and, and will be the best governor in the country if he wins this race. Um, some fantastic policies in Virginia uh, is really starting to lean blue. Um, so Marianne gathered us all together for what was called a candidate summit. And it was kind of amazing to me that, that this kind of event happens so infrequently that the that the website candidatesummit.com was not taken. So she was able to put this together with the website candidatesummit.com. So I encourage everybody to go to candidatesummit.com. The event itself was about an hour and a half long. Mm -hmm. Marianne gave an intro. Howie Klein, who is a longtime progressive journalist and activist out of New York um, and advises Marianne politically, um, you know, he, he is kind of her point of contact with the candidate. Uh, he, he vetted all of us before we got to uh, got, got to be endorsed by her. And we each got to talk a little bit about why we're running. Of course, we're all running on, on very uh, similar parallel platforms, Medicare for All, Green New Deal. Yeah. Some of us taking on Republicans, many of us taking on corporate Democrats, which is absolutely needed. Uh, just the fact that a D is behind your name, as we know, uh, doesn't mean a whole lot these days. Yeah. Um, so just as I am taking on Rick Larson in Washington's second district, a lot of these candidates are taking on progressive Democrats in their, in their own district. Uh, wonderful event. 
uh, a lot of passion, a lot of solid policy, um, talking about healthcare, talking about housing, talking about uh, really the needs of the community, how communities have been neglected. Uh, Shervin talked about in California's 30th in the San Bernardino Valley, um, they've got a thousand uncapped oil wells and the, and yeah. the, the environment is toxic. Is one, one of the, uh, the biggest nuclear meltdown happened in his district. Um, and uh, and so these, these candidates came on, uh, my candidate colleagues, and really just gave their personal stories of why they were running, why it was necessary to replace the people who were sitting there. Obviously, people who are running against Republicans, they got to go. Senator Nina Turner is one of the candidates yeah, so. uh, that Marianne is endorsing. Uh, it was wonderful mm -hmm. to be in the same room with her. She has passion and fire and takes it right to the establishment um every time so it was just a wonderful event i'm proud to be endorsed yeah. by marianne i'm proud to be running with these other candidates who are going to do a fantastic mm -hmm. job when they're elected and this is really the sea change that is needed in politics i mean if only you know if half of us in that room can get elected we have doubled the size of the squad uh and and you know Progressives need to have more power in Congress. Obviously, um, you know, the, the size of the actually progressive cadre in Congress right now uh, is not significant enough to have a serious impact, but they are driving the conversation. As much as people may be uh, disappointed with votes that they have taken here or there, um, and we've had those discussions, it is still the leading edge of where our politics needs to be. Um, and, I, and I think uh, getting more of us elected to, the, to, to those positions, um, certainly for myself, I know I don't back down. Um, and, and I hope that we can light a fire under, you know, the entire progressive, you know, I want I, to say, I love what Cori Bush is saying. I love what Jamal Bowman is saying. I'll tell you what, today on immigration and the refugee crisis, I love what Pramila Jayapal is say, saying. I mean, she took a she right. took the wood to Joe Biden today. Yeah. But we need more of that, and it's going to come from this room of candidates that I was I was uh, just really honored to be a part of um, on Wednesday night. CandidateSummit.com. I encourage people to go and watch it and see all of these fantastic candidates. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's good that you you bring up uh, about what Rashida did in terms of calling out Joe Biden, and and I think um, we need uh, we need new candidates. Uh, we need uh, especially progressive candidates in office. I think I think what's quite telling, and we'll come on to this on the next subject that we that we uh, that I bring up, um, is that uh, we have a lot of. Um, we have a lot of older generations in terms, an older generation in terms of in, in Congress, and and they obviously come from a different era. They have a different mindset in terms of things like defunding the police, in terms of things like um, uh, how to deal with uh, racial justice. So, um, yeah, I think I think this is very. Uh, I just think this is needed. I think I think we need we need. Um, we need uh, particularly people with large platforms like Marion Williamson's to 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 vouch for people uh, to 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 put them on a pedestal at a time when it's desperately needed, especially when we need people to uh, hold. Well, it's it's more than holding Joe Biden's administration to account. To basically, offer an alternative at this point. Yep. Um, we have to change. We have to change course. 
Yeah. We have to change yeah. course. It's, we have to direction. we have to do more. Yeah. The direction we're going in is uh is not a good one at the moment. Um but uh Robin, do you want to add anything to that in particular? No, I think you guys covered it. It's just I'm super excited for Jason be elected and all these other progressive candidates too make it into their respective offices and actually work to change stuff instead of like slightly changing the status yeah. quo yeah and yeah. radically changing it super excited yeah. and, and notice that i didn't more. say yes and notice that i didn't say if jason wins i said when because he's going to so, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. And I, you know, I, and, and there are going to be more, I mean, we're, we're uh, a year, a year away from, you know, the, wherever the, the March primaries are, I know California has a March primary. Um, yeah. My primary is in, is going to be in August. So I'm, I'm a year and a half out. Um, but there's going to be more really good candidates stepping up um, to take on this task, to take on this fight. You know, uh, I'm not making any announcements right now. Um, but I, but I do know. Um, actually, one one person did announce in Washington's ninth district uh, today. Progressive candidate Stephanie Gallardo. Um, I actually haven't talked to her about how to pronounce her last name, but I, I believe it's Gallardo. Educator, progressive, defund the police, um, and and I believe we've got somebody to take uh, take on a candidate, uh, the, the incumbent in the first district and the sixth district. Um, so. You know, just all over the place. You know, if you think you can get a team together, if your representative is is a is a piece of, you know, uh, get them out of there. Step up, build a team, get them out of there. And there's going to be candidate solidarity this year. There is going to be strong. This is this is the best thing that came out of Marianne's event is that all of us are building this unified wall. We are all running together as a team. Um, and yeah. I think, and I think we need to do that. I think that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, we need. I mean, in this moment, we we, we just need we need an alternative at this point. And it's, um, I think, I think what's happened under the Biden administration so far just just is very just very evident of that. Um, and I mean, moving on from this particular subject and why why I stress that we need. We need an alternative. Um, let's let's talk about. Well, I mean, it's not really just one story. There's nearly every day I'm seeing another another article or another headline of 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 police shooting somebody and killing someone. Um, so really, I mean, for for people listening, um, I think what's important right now is we. It's not just one person. If we look at it fundamentally from this year alone, um, we're 106 days into this year, and currently, with uh, there's a with tracking police shootings, uh, 286 people have died at the hands of the police currently. So, really, my question to you guys is, really, um, what do we do? Fundamentally, it's we've. We've just had Adam Toledo, a 13-year-old boy who's been shot and killed. Uh, Peyton Ham, a 16-year-old boy who was shot and killed. Um, I there mean, was, I mean, there the was uh, Anthony. Anthony, I forget his last name, but they called him Ant uh, in Knoxville. Um, 
there was a, the, you know, I, I listened, I listened to Sean King this morning, uh, talk about what the actual story was. And I, and I think one of the things that we really have to discuss here is the fact that the police are making shit up, uh, to protect themselves. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the story that, that it was the actual story behind the Knoxville where it, they said it was a school shooting. Um, and uh, it, the, the police officer uh, shot himself. You know, he was trying to unholster his weapon and he ended up shooting himself. Second mm-hmm. officer didn't even think about what, you know, what might have actually happened and shot Anthony. Um, apologize for not knowing his last name, but, you know, uh, shot him twice in the chest and then didn't even administer first aid, you know, and this kid, this kid, you got, you know, I'm going to tear up here. I got a 15 year old son for Christ's sake, you know, yeah. left him on the floor of the, of the restroom in his school to bleed out, you know, and, and even since then, even since then, we've had, uh, 29-year-old South African immigrant shot in, in Honolulu. And we've had just here in Portland, Portland south of us, you know, a homeless guy having a mental crisis, hands in the air, shot by police. You know, this just happened last night, and it's over and over and over again. And I don't know. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional here, but I no, can't. No, no, th- no. This is, you know, my first reaction, especially to, Ad- I, I mean, they're, they're all horrendous, but when I saw Adam Toledo, 13 year old boy right hands up and you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you've got hands up it doesn't matter if you yeah you know like we've seen this over and over again this uh, Tim rice was a prime example of this years ago you know a 12 year old boy shot and killed because he had a toy gun like this i don't like the reality is it doesn't matter if it was a to- he was holding a toy gun it's a 12 year old boy you know, the whole point yeah. of de-escalation, the whole point of the police is supposed to be de-escalation, right? Or being able to handle... Public safety. Public safety. So you tell me that shoot shoot first and ask questions later is, is public safety? Absolutely not. And I think um, I, at this point, you know, I, when I... When I when I when I was when I first sort of reacted to all this news, you know, my first instinct was um, this can't be reformed. I think anyone anyone offering the alternative of reform is uh, deeply unserious about tackling this situation. Um, this is beyond reform now. I mean, it was beyond reform before, but this is it's just so evident now that this this uh, the the police as an institution is is beyond reform at this point. Um, uh, I would argue that defunding is now, in my opinion, is now uh, is is now the. Um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my words. It's, it's insufficient now. It's, it's insufficient. You know. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Absolutely. I think it's uh, it's the. That is the that is the centre viewpoint in terms of, you know, there is there is a strong argument to just abolish this right now. This whole institution, yeah. How, how can you allow this to continue? Um, sorry, Robin. Do you want to add to this? I'm just. <clears throat> I'm so so pissed that black children, children of color, are at a automatically assumed to be threats automatically without a benefit of the doubt i've i've been i saw that tucker carlson called him a 13 year old man 
Yeah. Or some, some like that's mm-hmm. the narrative that they're trying to push. A 13-year-old is not a man. He's a child. Yeah. He And they're saying like, oh, he he had a gun by his hand. It doesn't matter. He was surrendering. And if an officer can't tell when someone's surrendering, then you shouldn't be on the force. And yeah. it's... And then going to Dante Wright, too, it's just, I just don't buy the bullshit of, like, I thought it was my taser. How long have you been on the force? 20-something years? 26 years. 26 years, and she was training officers at the time. You know? Okay, let's say, like, she even, if you, if say she unholstered accidentally, let's, let's give her that doubt. You're safe, you clicked off your safety, and then you shot him. You you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Like if you unholstered and you tried to shoot, and it was truly a mistake. Why the hell was your safety off? The gun I, is four times the weight of the taser. I am told. Yes, and it's and the taser's bright fucking yellow. You can't. I'm sorry for cursing, but you can't tell. It's and you're on the force for twenty years. At, when I first saw that headline, I'm like, oh, it's a it's a rookie. It's a rookie. But then, 20, even with the with the rookie, it's unexcusable. But, no. but my God, I'm so sick of seeing another headline, seeing another memorial, seeing another hashtag. And and these are the ones that we just know about. These are the ones that are just catching the traction. But imagining that so many mothers, fathers, siblings are just mourning, like the pain that must be in. But I'm I'm just gonna say it. I don't know if I should, but like white kids, like the kid who shot up the FedEx in Indianapolis, he he's given a benefit of the doubt. The the he was the FBI or the police knew that he was gonna be a threat. They investigated him, but they let him go. They knew that he was gonna try. He was deemed to try suicide by cop, and they let him go. I'm just I'm just pissed and I agree with Thomas that it's at first I was like yeah defunding reimagining policing reimagining community solutions but something that's this broken and it's bad seed after bad seed how can you not like it's a rotten fucking tree at this point and it's just like oh police forces are deeply corrupt police unions are deeply corrupt um you know, I've mentioned this before on the show. I had I, my ex brother in law um, was a was a police officer for 13 years. He told me uh, you wouldn't believe the stories I could tell you about what cops get away with. Uh, you know, we know they falsify evidence. We know they racially profile. Um, the appeal just came out with an article that that was a study that was done uh, back in 2018. They just wrote an article on it. But that uh, Washington D.C. police are now being sued because of their history of racial profiling and these pretext stops where they say, you know, if somebody's walking, if they, you know, it like uh, the the example they gave is there was a, you know, a young black male had a backpack on. When he saw them, they didn't like the way he shifted his backpack. And so they used that as a pretext to stop him. You know, uh, they, they, it was unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, but, and he said, no, he said, no, he said, no. He, he pulled up his shirt, said, no, I got nothing in my waistband, nothing like that. They searched him anyway. You know, um, we, we, we absolutely have white supremacist 
police departments, police forces. You know, we had them here in Seattle in 2012. You know, the 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 Seattle police was was reprimanded uh, for having a history of of uh, uh, racial discrimination. You know, and 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 targeting black uh, targeting um, black citizens. You know. You know, like I just said, in Portland, you know, we've got we, I, I was down in Portland last year. You know, we, we've got and I know Trump gave the go ahead for this, but we had a whole police department down in Portland that was totally willing to tear gas the city for protesting the George Floyd murders. You know, my my eyes, my I went down there, you know, and just all the tear gas that's kicking around in their central square down there was stinging my eyes. And they from from the tear gas that they've been firing off the night before. We are at war. The police are at war with U.S. citizens, and I think we have to be very clear about that. We, the United States, is a war zone. And what I really want to make the connection is, is where does this stem from? And people talk about why do we have gun violence in the U.S.? Why do we have police violence in the U.S.? It is because we have an economy that is based on global imperialism and adventurism, and colonialism, and going around the world thinking that we can bully other countries and steal their resources and drop bombs in their citizens. And when we have the disrespect for the rest of the world, you know, uh, trying to change their governments as we have done for the last 70 years, anytime there's a government there that, that does something that we don't like, you know, assassination of, of Allende in Chile and, and so on. Um, that's going to come home to us. That actually becomes part of our national identity, violence and aggression and hatred and conflict. And that's what we're dealing with right now. We, we are dealing at home with a hundred years of colonial, colonialist policy from the United States. You know, I, and I think we, we really have to start identifying that. Yeah. And it's a good thing you bring it up, Jason, because I want to talk about the fact that the United States has the largest military budget in the world. It also has the largest police budget in the world. In fact, it is the in terms of the budget for the police in, in the entirety of the United States, it's higher than military budgets. It's the, it would be classed as the third highest military budget in the world, right? So the, if you summed <laughs> up all of the police budgets... So if you summed up all the police budgets in the United States, it would be a higher budget than than literally mi military budgets for, for, for countries, right? It's It would be classed as the third highest military budget, just, just below China in terms of China's military budget. And, and I, so, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, this, it, you, I, this is this is the this is the, the this is the this is the um, frame of mind for this country is to um, oppress and uh, criminalize and and keep people um, afraid. Unfortunately, and this is this is this is what policing has become. Well, it was always like it was always that was always the case. Um, I also want to bring up the fact that I want to talk about, particularly Adam Toledo, because what came out with Chicago is that Lori Lightfoot and her administration, basically, when he found out about this before the video leaked, uh, they tried to spin it. Um, they tried, well, they span it for weeks, trying to uh, say that something else happened and... Uh, they also went around and boarded up 
windows they they put they, they basically prepared because they knew that the reaction rightly so would be um from from the public would be absolutely it would be chaos um and so uh chicago has a democratic legislator it has it's a democrat controlled city um i think what we need to realize particularly people who listen to this is that this is a bipartisan issue with policing that the way that we police this country is not just republicans it's both parties um and uh really my question to both of you is what what do we what do we do to hold supposedly holds a party that is supposed to care about racial justice, racial equality. How do we go about dealing with Democrats that just seem to be beholden to police unions and the police in general? Calling them the fuck out on their bullshit. If I'm not mistaken, she, Mayor Lightfoot, she ran on a platform that included reducing police brutality or um on on racial justice and policing and to to do this is i would i would want her to resign i would also would like the dnc at a national level to stop taking law enforcement money and then make it mandatory for every state party to not take law enforcement money or police union money at all and if you're a candidate who does you don't you automatically don't get the endorsement and that the party will look for someone to run against you yeah is i'm tired of party officials or even i don't want to say regular old democrats but um people who are invested in politics and who are do identify as democrats not stop caring once a republican's out of office you need to keep pushing for accountability it's not yeah. one and done. Don't idolize your politicians. Don't say like, oh, look, it's a historic first and then be like, okay, we're done. And then your historic first does some bullshit like this. Yeah. You need to call them out on their bullshit. You need to hold them accountable. If they, if they do something this bad, you don't reelect them. You actively work against them. It's not, it's, the job's not done once the election is over and they're sworn in. You hold them accountable. You keep pushing. And yeah. that th- so far, that's all I got. And yeah. Well, we're yeah. we're not. You know, I hate to break it to you. We're not going to get that out of the DNC. We're not going to get no. that out of the Biden administration. I mean, for Christ's no, sake, Biden is still, Biden is still trying to elevate Rahm Emanuel. For God's sake, you know. Um, and 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 you know, Biden Biden has proposed a, a, a military budget that's thirteen billion dollars bigger than the last budget that. Trump proposed, you know, um, and and then and then, my God, you know, the first thing that Biden says about Dante Wright is, well, let's wait to see what all the facts say, and you know, everybody calm down, right? Every, you know, I mean, the very first statement that Biden made about the killing of Dante Wright was, property is more valuable than lives. That, yeah. that was his message, and that is the capitalist message. Property and wealth are not expendable, but lives are. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, that has been our global mentality. That is now our national mentality. If, if we don't... 
if we don't change what our priorities are as a country and 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 start focusing on humanity uh, and and serving people instead of instead of serving the one percent and serving wealth, um, this, none of this is going to change because tomorrow there's going to be another shooting and the day after that there's going to be another shooting. Lee Carter, who's running for for, for Virginia governor. Uh, tweeted out just a, a couple of days ago after Dante Wright's killing in 2020, which was a leap year, he had to actually correct himself. There were 18 days in the entirety of 2020 that somebody was not killed by the police in the United States. 347, he said, 347 days where somebody was killed, 18 days where they weren't. And then he had to come back and say, Last year was a leap year. I'm sorry. 348 days where somebody was killed, 18 where somebody was not. And that's the country we live in. And this year is going to be no different. And next year is going to be no different unless we start making some drastic changes about what our human priorities are. And this is all tied into poverty and healthcare and education and all of the things that we need as human services in this country, housing that we don't get because the wealth of this country and the labor of this country and the labor of the world is sucked up into that capitalist 1%. And then people are, people are left with, you know, what's my life about? You know, what is, what is the purpose of my life that I'm going to work day to day to day, backbreaking, not getting ahead, you know, and, and, and that, that our systems oppress the people who are working the hardest in this country, who are the most marginalized in this country constantly and always have done. We have got to have a sea change with our priorities. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, my, my final question really then is what a lot of uh, House Democrats are proposing uh, is the George Floyd Act. And really, I want to ask you guys, is it, is it sufficient? Because would the George Floyd Act, would that prevent another veteran cop um, from accidentally grabbing their gun instead of a taser? What are, what are the details of the George Floyd Act? Do you, do you have those in front of you? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess no, but I haven't read through the details. Let me get it up. I think um, one aspect of it, if I'm not wrong, is a national ban on chokeholds. Um, if I'm not, yeah, that's yeah. that's a given. We're trying to get that passed in our state legislature right now. You know, a, yeah. ban, a ban on chokeholds. But you know, ending ending qualified immunity, ending prosecutorial. I mean, these are both things that that pertain to. Uh, the, the Chicago case with, with Adam Toledo, because not only did the police lie, the prosecutor lied also, you know? So for two weeks, the police and the prosecutors have been lying. And because of qualified immunity and because of prosecutorial immunity, they can't be held liable for those things, you know? Yeah. I, so go ahead, Robin. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, even if you do if with all these like national bans or any like restrictions you place nationally, Eric Gardner, he was, he died in a chokehold and chokeholds are illegal in New York. Yeah. It's not going to stop veteran no. cops who have been doing this for decades to suddenly be, mm -hmm. be like, well, shit, it's illegal on a national level. Can't do this now. It's, it's, 
it's not going to root them out. I think it's a suit. My main issue is that police run their own investigations into corruption, into their own brutality, excessive force complaints. It needs to go, it needs to go beyond the DA too. It needs to be a whole separate agency because DAs and police, they're so intertwined. If you're, if you're a prosecutor who favors defunding the police or you have prosecuted cops, you're no longer a favorite. You face back. Yeah, they're not going to work face, with you. No, yeah, you're they're not going to work with you. Yeah. You're not going to no. get witnesses. You're not going to get that extra oomph that they give to their favorites. So I, it's just, I'm so tired, so pissed that it's, the deeper you look into it, you're just like, how can you change something that is so intertwined into the, the DNA of this country? Yeah. Where it's like, they don't want to hold each other accountable. It's just even shit when they do hold each other accountable. It's a slap on the wrist and go become a police officer in, in a different part of the country. Yeah. It's like shit. Yeah. That's a good point, Robin, because what happened in Chicago... After the new, after they found out about Adam Toledo, what the what the Chicago, what the legislator and Lloyd Lightfoot did is that they 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 tried to cover it up. They tried to cover up the the first instinct was to cover it up. That was the first instinct, right? And what does that tell you? That they're not prepared to tackle the problem. They just want to cover it up. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to hide it away. They just want to chuck it under a rug. They don't want to confront the issue, which is police brutality and the police in general and i think uh, this is this is one of the issues with kim potter who who shot uh, dante Wright. is is she was somebody who had priorly been in trouble for telling police officers how to evade getting in trouble if yeah. they you know she was literally telling them turn off your body cam do this do yeah. that this is how you, mm-hmm. this is how you can avoid accountability you know yeah. so they're completely used to that yeah. Going to your point of turning off a body cam, if, you tur- if you're a police officer and you turn off your body cam, that should be automatic grounds for a firing and an investigation into all of your cases, into all of your years, into all of your experiences with the public. It's like, oh, ah, I just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. I, uh, uh, we'll, quick, we'll wrap this up because obviously we got we got some other stuff to talk about, but I just wanted to... Uh, say the George Floyd Act would lower the criminal intent standards from willful to knowing or reckless. It would limit qualified immunity as a defense. And it would also authorize the Department of Justice to issue subpoenas and investigations of police departments. I'm going to be completely honest. It's just my opinion. You can, you can tell me, you can tell me different. I think it's not even close to what we need. No. Um, it's not even it's not even and this is this is the solution that's been offered up and i think it's it doesn't even meet the moment i don't think to be so you're telling me that even right now right now the department of justice the u.s federal department of justice cannot issue subpoenas to police wow uh, yeah yeah it says that blows my mind it, it says it will, yeah. yeah. It says it will authorize the Department of Justice to issue subpoenas and investigations of police departments for a pattern or practice of discrimination. That is the full. Um, so I guess it's not a thing already. Um, and, it, and 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 it limits qualified immunity. Yeah. 
I'm not a police officer. I haven't done any of those trainings. I have even like considered going, becoming, well, maybe when I was like five, but other than that, I haven't even considered joining law enforcement. But if it's a justified shoot, then you have, I don't want to say nothing to worry about without qualified immunity. If you truly felt like your life was in danger, I wouldn't be, if I was a cop, I wouldn't be scared of, you know, investigation if if I truly I I don't know I don't know what I'm the point I'm trying to make besides and and abolish qualified immunity it's... yeah yeah so I'm saying that what is being proposed as a solution does not meet the moment I, it's, I that's, it's... My, that's my personal opinion it just doesn't it just doesn't even come close to what's needed um, like so I... many other things like so many other things not mm-hmm. even close yeah, and this is coming from House Democrats. This is coming from progressives. Yeah. So I, I think this is, uh, I, I think they're just completely out of touch with what's with, with what's happening right now, and uh, it's just it's just going to get this is just going to get worse um, if this isn't tackled uh, with, with with serious conviction because uh, I don't think people are taking this seriously enough. Um, but moving on from a deeply depressing subject, um, we've got another. Well, I would say it's another sort of depressing subject. Um, so Biden, obviously, we talked about in the last episode, Biden is looking to uh, fill in the gaps in the border wall. Basically, he's going to build more wall. Um, but a story that came out of Texas, um, a Texas civil rights project, um, a family, um, uh, the Cava. Cavazos family. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I do apologize. Um, basically, um, what's happened is Biden is seizing land at the border in order to build or to finish or to try and build more wall at the border. And essentially what's happening with this family is that they've had, they've basically had their house um, uh, basically taken into possession by the, by the federal government. Um, so I'll read. I'll read the whole story, so you get, so people listening can get an idea of what's happening. Um, this morning in Texas, the Biden administration seized the property of the of the family for border wall construction after being granted possession via court order. We are outraged this outcome was avoidable had the administration simply dismissed the case outright. This decision by the administration will not in any way build back better and breaks Joe Biden's promise to dismiss all border wall cases. Um, it is false that Joe Biden has stopped the border wall. The fight against the wall in Texas is not over. 140 lawsuits are still active. The family are just one. Now this family is at the mercy of the government that is continuing the Trump-Biden border wall. So, your thoughts, really? <laughs> On this subject. Welcome to USA. Hey, you know, where the right to property isn't really a right. Um, yeah. Sorry, mate. Didn't. It's, it's just, why did I, why did we vote for Joe Biden as an alternative to Trump? If he's doing the same shit Trump did, the only difference is he, he doesn't speak crazy on Twitter. Like, yeah. You hit the nail on the well, head, Robin. I so, think somebody all. else, somebody else is writing his tweets, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. But still, do we just vote yeah. for? Oh my God! It's so, that, oh. 
That I'm, family I'm has been there for how long and they're they can't even they can't keep their house, their property for because you want to fill in a gap to a wall that you promised that you weren't gonna complete and you were gonna tear down. That's yeah, the, that's the thing. Another promise broken. I am I am not opposed to the idea of eminent domain. I mean, there are legitimate reasons for eminent domain. There really are. And with eminent domain, what you make sure is that somebody is is well compensated for the fact that they may need to lose their home or lose their property because of some public works project that is going to be critical. And, you know, there's a balance and it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Some people are like, okay, yeah, give me some money. I'll move. And some people are like, no, I, my family's been here for generations and it's a tough thing, you know? So I am not fundamentally opposed to this idea of eminent domain. I think there are legitimate reasons for it, but to build this fucking border wall that he promised not a single foot more would be built on. No, <laughs> absolutely not. That is that is the slap in the face here. It is not just the eminent domain. It is the fact that he promised not one more foot of this border wall. He ran on that. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say. I'm I'm yeah. disgusted. Yeah, yeah, it is disgusting. And I think um, Robbie, you hit the nail on the head. Really, what what do we vote for? Because 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 you know we're now we're now four months much into this administration and I mean you can tell me if I'm wrong but has he kept a single promise I don't know nope I mean I don't think so at least the ones that people voted him for didn't two thousand dollar checks nope um not a foot more nope increasing asylum nope like come on now he's just He's keeping the Trump era policies, get freeing children from the cages. Nope. I, I honestly, yeah. but this this is my opinion, but I honestly believe that the the, the Trump administration was the best thing that ever happened to Democrats because what it what it essentially did is that Trump put in all the policies that they really wanted in the first place. Fundraising. And now and now and now they did they come in and go, oh well, I mean it, it we can't really do anything. It, we have to go through this whole process of reversing all this stuff, but they're not actually going to reverse all this stuff. It's just a, it's a, it's a very nice um, scenario that they find themselves in. Um, and it's just going to, in my mind, this is just going to depress the vote going forward in the future. People, there's going to be less people that are willing to engage because of the actions of it, it- Biden's administration. What it what it really what it really brings home is is that politics in America is a game for the elites. It's just yeah. a game for the elites. It's back and forth. It's good cop, bad cop. It's bad cop, worse cop uh, on the political stage, you know. And in the end, it's all about bringing in corporate dollars. Uh, you know, it's all about making sure that the elites are 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 uh, their 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 shares are going up. I mean, you know, I mean. Are we are we going to talk about Nancy Pelosi and insider trading with her sale of what was it Microsoft stock? You know, I don't I don't think that that news has really hit home yet. You know, are we going to talk about? Well, we are going to talk about the fact that Nancy Pelosi is not even going to allow us to expand the court, which is one of the ways, oh, one yes. of the actual well, on, legitimate. Yeah, 
you know, so so what what is the purpose of the Democratic Party here? Because it doesn't seem to be to have systemic change that will improve people's lives for the vast majority. It just it just doesn't seem that way. Um, you know, and it, yeah, I'll tell you, for, for me as a candidate who's running as a Democrat, that's a very dangerous thing for me to say. You know, um, but I am, but I am not convinced. When I look at leadership in the Democratic Party, I'm not looking at Nancy Pelosi. I'm not looking at Steny Hoyer. You know, I'm not looking at God Chuck Schumer. You know, I am looking at Cory Bush and Jamal Bowman and Rashida Tlaib, and and I am saying, you guys have had you you are the you are the standard bearers for where our country needs to be right now. Don't fail us. You know, hopefully we can get some more people alongside you next year and in 2024. But right now, you guys have to hold the fort and you have to call it out every single second. Yeah. 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 I, I you know, my home country, uh, for everyone listening, um, the similarities are actually, are actually quite stark because we're, my home country is going through a similar thing. where We have uh, the Labour Party, which is, you could say it's the closest thing is probably the Democratic Party here. Um, is going through a very similar scenario where you've got supposedly you've got a you've got an opposition party, but in reality they're just playing along with the same to the same tune. And what it's do it's it's called it's just causing uh, so much uh, so much dismay and uh, outright just people are just uh, disillusioned. They have no idea what what to do and where to go from here. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Anyway, that that I mean, we'll we'll go on to. You brought up the the next subject, Jason, which is uh, Pelosi. Is, Accidentally, but it, you know, segue. I guess. <laughs> no, it's no, it, it's all it all interconnects because uh, well, basically, for anyone listening, if you if you haven't heard that Pelosi has come out and said that she won't bring the bill forward to expand Supreme Court. To expand the Supreme Court to the floor, basically, Democrat House Democrats. Uh, um, did they pass the bill, or did you just bring the bill forward? They didn't pass they, it. The, somebody, somebody introduced the bill, and and yeah. I'm not sure if the bill made it out of committee, but whatever it was, Nancy Pelosi said she's not bringing it to yeah. the floor. Yeah, yeah. So uh, right, right off the bat, with this, um, they're not serious about. Um, they're just not serious. I don't look. I don't look at the failure of Nancy Pelosi to bring this bill any differently than I look at the failure of the Senate Democrats to overturn the, the filibuster, or for Kamala Harris to ignore the ruling of the parliamentarian so that we can move move, move forward with with uh, uh, fifteen dollars. You know, none of it's it's all one of the same. It's all like no, we can't make these changes because that would be what? What would it be? What would it be? We have had 15 Supreme Court justices on our court in the past. I believe when Brandeis, who was one of the best justices in the history of this nation, uh, was on the court, that we had 15 Supreme Court justices at that time. So there is nothing in the Constitution that defines this is the number of Supreme Court justices that you must have. You know, it is entirely up to the administration whether they want. So now we're resting on tradition. And I'll tell you what, tradition is the, uh, it's the worst reason to keep a bad system in place is tradition. 
You know, yeah. slavery was tra tradition in this country for hundreds of years, you know, uh, you, and, and we can't, 150 years later, 170 years later, we can't argue that slavery was a good tradition, you know, yeah. and I'm not comparing the Supreme Court to slavery. I'm just saying this idea of tradition as being a reason to keep a bad system in place is absolutely bunk. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Robin? He hit it on the nail. Um, it's just, it, to, why not? There's a problem with the Supreme Court being biased, being packed by the Republicans and Democrats are just like, okay, you know, we could do something about this, but we're not going to. We're just, you know, we're, we don't want to upset the balance or upset like moderates. It's why are people why why are we voting for y'all why do we have a government if y'all are just good with the status quo instead of pushing us into the future making progressive policies actually doing something that could propel us to a more equitable system like what's going on it's just i'm just mad confused yeah yeah i i for i want people listen to this is this is very uniquely an american thing because in the uk we didn't have a supreme court for a very long time in fact uh we we recently only i think it was only maybe five or six years old we 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 actually brought we actually created um supreme court justices and they have nowhere near as much power as what the united states supreme court has um in my opinion um I mean, should just abolish, should just get rid of it. I think it's very anti-democratic. Um, but um, yeah, I I think going forward, they're just. I mean, look, we, we had this during the Obama years um, with Merrick Garland. Um, they this they they didn't they don't. I've I, to be honest, I think they just play along. They don't they don't necessarily care. Um, you know, Republicans were able to um, get, uh, I can't remember her name now, the last justice that was sworn in. Amy Coney um, Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett, that's it. They were able to get her as a court justice within the span of a couple of weeks. And supposedly we couldn't get Merrick Garland in, what, eight months? Well, that was, you know, that was completely the obstruction of Mitch McConnell. Yeah. That's all that was. That was yeah. Mitch McConnell just lying absolutely lying to say oh you know within a year of this last term of obama and a lame duck presidency absolute crap absolute disingenuous dishonest crap yeah. that the the democrats didn't even protest you no. know they no, didn't even they didn't even protest you know it reminds me it reminds me of going all the way back to 2000 when george bush was elected right mm -hmm. When there were so many things wrong with that, where you had, you know, Catherine Harris, Secretary of State in Florida, dumping hundreds of thousands of, of black voters off of the rolls. You have um, the fact that, that the Supreme Court stepped in and stopped recounts. And then, and oh God, what was the other thing? There was something else that went on yeah, there. And, and, and the fact that then Al Gore did not even contest yeah, any of that. He said, it. he said, oh no, oh no, we don't want to have a fight. We're going to have a peaceful trans. He just allowed the Republicans to take that presidency away from him. And it seems like that has been the Democratic Party for the last 20 years that I have known 
is that the, the is that they are perfectly willing to just let the Republicans roll right over them. Mitch McConnell running roughshod over the Senate, and here we are with an opportunity, mansion and cinema aside, with an opportunity to actually take power away from Mitch McConnell, and they won't do it. They won't do no. it. No. So the same guy who's been screwing us. It makes absolutely it makes absolutely no sense. And and then and then this is I don't know if we have time for this, but I want to bring up this one more thing, which is why this is so dangerous. We now have an actively white supremacist caucus in the United States Congress. I don't know if you have seen this. Yeah, the American, so what is it? The American values call you that, you know, we are the, we are the Anglo, we want to bring Anglo-Saxon political, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this, this is all just code for, for anti-immigration, xenophobia, racism, white supremacy. I mean, honest to God, I'll say it. We got fucking Nazis in our Congress right now and the Democrats aren't going to do a damn thing about it. No, no, and uh, you, you you bring up a good point about Al Gore because it's, uh, the, the problem with the centrist ideology is that there's this sort of decorum politics where we'll we'll present ourselves as the you know the I don't know the ones that we you can work with us we'll work with you like we'll work with you in good faith when the other side is just not like just won't like. We we keep it's 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 a broken record at this point. I, I I recall, I don't know if you remember this, but Joe Biden. This is 2014 when you had the Tea Party in the Republic in the Republican Party, and he made a he made a statement saying that you know uh, he was basically playing decorum politics, where he was like this will this will fade. This is just a phase. This will fade away. We'll be able to work with the Republican Party going forward. And what happens? The Tea Party became what is essentially the Trump Party. It became Trump. It became the Trump administration. Uh, so, I it's it's this sort of naivety where they they like to think they can just keep playing this decorum politics, um, keep playing both sides. When the reality is, uh, you've got one side that just it's so adamant about what it wants and the other side where it's just we just want to play we just want to be in the center we want to we want to play both sides well and 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 i'll be very cynical about this there's a reason that they do that and it's because they can fundraise off of it yes you know yes so that that tells you what the politics is about right there it's about fundraising um before we wrap up robin do you want to add anything to that Robin? Uh, I don't know. I think y'all hit it on the head of the nail. It's just anything I say is probably just going to be repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, we had a lot of, unfortunately, right now, we've, there's a lot of disillusioning headlines, a lot of news stories that are quite depressing um but you know we we have to confront these issues because if we don't um we're just inevitably gonna keep repeating this stuff um but and time uh, and times and time's running out we don't have time no no time time is running out on the planet that is my biggest concern is that time is running out on people in the planet right now yeah yeah 
Okay, everyone, that is the uh, end of this episode for Okay, Now What? Um, thank you for tuning in and listening. Um, this is my first time being host. Uh, we missed, to be honest, we really missed Greg today. He's a great host. Um, and I really hope he's back for next week, um, including Elizabeth. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Uh, this has been me, Thomas, and Jason and Robin. Um, thank you guys. And we'll hopefully have you tune in next week.